Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you this morning. Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you? Doing well, thank good. you. Doing well. Well, what's in the news? COVID, is it gone? Some people argue that it's essentially gone. It's all over with. Uh, but uh, we heard there's some important people that still must not have taken their vaccine or something. They're still getting the the infection. But yeah. but also the wars, uh, the war has certainly not ended. And uh, there's still delight uh, in Washington. Uh, the military industrial complex celebrate because business is good. Uh, blow up the weapons, build more, test more, new technology, on and on. Someday they'll run out of money and, and uh, then they'll have to change their tune. But that certainly is the case. And there's an article today uh, on anti-war that the Pentagon scrambles to restock weapons sent to Ukraine as arms makers look to cash in. <laughs> and that reminded me today of uh, War is a Racket, <laughs> you know, by Smedley Butler. And that, that's, is that, isn't it amazing how famous that book is and the millions of copies? Yeah. And he never knew how famous he was. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's a lot more famous now than he ever probably was back then. So, but the book, the book lasted. But no, this is, this is big business. There's a lot of money involved. And, uh, and, and the Congress just appropriated more money. They're talking about three three point five billion dollars, but that's just sort of a change yeah, for them. Change, yeah. <laughs> they're uh, into the hundreds of billions, and and they never come up short because if you come up short and you don't vote for it, they're going to say you're unpatriotic. Yeah. Patriotism means obedience to the military-industrial complex, and then. You never get canceled. Yeah. You never get canceled. You might even get invited to their meetings and their fancy meals that they have. But anyway, that's uh, that's ongoing. It's going to continue for a while, even in a time of peace. Uh, you, you know, there's there's been some elections where there was nothing but peace around, and uh, there was a missile gap, <laughs> and yeah. they still had to have this missile gap. Fill the missile gap. They're ahead of us. So it's it's ongoing. What a shame that they have to scare people, yeah. uh, you know, in order to s spend that money. And they say, yeah, but the, the other thing is, is if you put your head in the sand and somebody's getting ready to attack us, uh, you know, they're, they're may, it may be too late then, uh, you know, like World War too they say you know we just weren't prepared but uh, I, I think they uh, knew what was coming yeah. <laughs> and it didn't take them too long a anyway this is not brand new news but it certainly it follows through on what we've anticipated we talk about all the time in one of the culprits in motivating people to make sure that there are antagonisms in the world and make sure the propaganda is there it has to fit the scenario so even when the danger is not there there's always danger whether it's the danger of covid or danger of saddam hussein coming to drop atomic weapons on us. So there always has to be fear-mongering going on because the people, you know, instantly don't like war. They don't want to send their kids off to war. They don't want to have to pay for it. But if your country is at stake to be a patriotic citizen, you have to concede this. This certainly was loud and clear even on the domestic problems here on 9-11. Boy, if you didn't toe the line there, you could be called nasty lane yeah, names. Yeah. Well, you know, the propaganda is heavy duty. Uh, the propaganda is to tell Americans, this is a war for your civilization. This is about you. 
Well, the fact is, it's not a war for democracy because we just talked about it yesterday. How the president of Ukraine just canceled all the parties that were in opposition to him and canceled all the media that was in opposition to him. It's not a war for our for our way of life. You know, there are literally no U.S. interests in adopting Ukraine and fighting its border wars with Russia. And in fact, as you would talk about moral hazard in the in the uh, economic sphere, we gave moral hazard to Ukraine over these past eight years after the U.S. coup in winking that we would back them in giving them training and giving them weapons and emboldened them to act in a way that they might not have acted if they didn't feel that they had someone behind them. So it's not a war for any of that. But how cynical it is a war for Raytheon, Lockheed Martin, uh, and the other military manufacturers. And it's, this is a little bit different than Iraq, though, because Russia can strike back. It's made it clear that it's at the end of its rope uh, and it's not going to take any more. And it's very dangerous. Let's put this up. Here's what we're talking about. And this is, you're right, we saw it from anti-war, but it was from a Politico article. Pentagon scrambles to repop, uh, replenish weapon stocks. Thousands and thousands of missiles uh, have been sent over there. Um, generally speaking, and we saw there was this massive attack in western Ukraine on a, on a weapons depot. Probably that's where all those weapons were, all those missiles were. Uh, the, the Russians put in a hypersonic missile and blew it uh, to kingdom come. So they don't care if they all get blown up before they're used because they just send more. <laughs> Scramble, send more. And I think, and you mentioned this, I think, yesterday in the show, that might be, be why, one reason why, as antiwar.com pointed out, that the U.S. is actively discouraging Zelensky from making any concessions to Russia. You know, it's like you wrote in your column, fighting Russia to the last Ukrainian. <laughs> that may be why there's a lot at stake. There's a lot of money at stake in this. You know, the... Um uh, shortages that have occurred, you know, as a, as a problem, a consequence of fighting COVID as well as the war going on, is a significant event. And uh, you see uh, trucks lined up for various reasons. You see ships lined up. And the whole thing breaks down because the market quits working under these circumstances. But uh, there, there, there's a uh, law that's been around that uh, I used to uh, call attention to it every year when they wanted to, to uh, finance it because it was something nobody ever wanted to talk about, yet I thought it was rather serious, and that was the Defense Protection Act. Oh, yeah. They, they really can, uh, you know, nationalize and socialize everything if they want to, if it's in danger. And I see this is quoted in a, a justification or how to explain that this additional money because there's danger. You yeah. know, we have to uh, take care of those Ukraine. And uh, here is uh, this article says the Defense Production Act allows arms manufacturers such as Raytheon, mm. I've heard of them, and Lockheed to cut in the middle of the line, get in line <laughs> and receive necessary components ahead of other domestic manufacturers. I mean, first things first, yeah. save, save democracy, you know, with uh, more, more authoritarianism and more deficit financing and more inflation. And that's how they save democracy, which uh, uh, they don't quite understand what they're talking about. They're not saving freedom, <laughs> but they pretend democracy is, means freedom, which it doesn't. Yeah, I mean, that would be one thing if we were under attack. Hey, we got to get some missiles quick. Let's don't make toasters, you know. But, but this is a little different because we are not under attack and we have no interests in the area. But, you know, you mentioned 9-11 when you started out. And the thing is, as, as you've sort of said in many different ways, um, and you can extrapolate to this, I mean, if you don't like what Russia is doing in Ukraine, you should have said something over the past eight years where Kiev was bombing Donbass and killing, uh, in addition to residents there, Russian passport holders. 
Just like if you didn't like 9-11, you should have been saying something over the times that the U.S. was bombing the Middle East all those years. It doesn't mean that either are justified, but it means you can't forget the antecedents. You can't forget when you're talking about a crime, you can't forget the motivation and try to understand the motivation of what's happening. But nobody wants to do this. It just came out of the blue. It fell out of the sky, and we have to chase the next new thing. But this is something that came up after we agreed for our topics. I just glanced at it, and I wanted to put it up because, as you know, they're having a meeting. Uh, NATO's having an emergency meeting, and Biden's going to be there. I'm sure he's going to take over and be in, in complete control. Let's put this up. Hedge just put this up and updated it at uh, 11 o'clock Eastern time. Now, the NATO chief finally, Stoltenberg is finally getting the attention that he wanted all along. If you remember, Trump treated him pretty badly. He treated him like a flunky that he is. But now he's, he's like the Fauci of, of uh, military now. So he is threatening. He says he's going to give a new speech that countries will commit to major increases in troops along Europe's eastern flank. That means major troop increases on Russia's borders. At the same time, he took the opportunity to warn Russia to stop its nuclear saber rattling. So stop your saber rattling, but we're going to put thousands of more troops. And I'm, I'm, I'm joking in a way about that, but it is very serious because they're not stepping down. And here's actually, there's that little video that I wanted to put just the first 25 seconds of. And this came up. This is some footage from Poland on the border of Belarus. And these are U.S. military uh, this is a U.S. military convoy. I don't know the entire context, but I think it's worth looking. You can see the American flag uh, as the first troop runs uh, goes by. 25 seconds of this would be enough, or, or 20. That'll give you the, the idea of it. And, and again, I, I don't know exactly what that means. I do know that we should be careful about moving American military equipment on the border with Belarus. That's for sure. You know, the, you, you brought up the subject of motives, which has been a favorite target of mine, because, you know, if, if a crime is committed domestically or a murder especially, what is the very first thing that they talk about? Who, who has the motive? Did he have a, fight, a family fight go on or was he at the bar or where, wherever this occurred? We need to know the motive. And uh, they search and uh, put a lot of emphasis on that. But when it comes to international problems, you know, like 9-11 and other things, it's almost like don't you dare talk about the motive yeah. because I think it does it two things. One, it might expose some stupidity, sometimes some you know policy that just were didn't go the way they were supposed to. They made mistakes and killed somebody they shouldn't have, and and led to this. And uh, and also there might be other motives that they don't want you to know about. So they don't want they don't want true investigations. That's why that's why when they look for motives or pretend they look for motives, I'm saying. What they want to do is cover cover up the mistakes and and hide the real motives. Yeah. And why that is so bad is you don't you don't improve things if you don't look for why do these things ha happen. Uh, and uh, of course, I think we should. Yeah. Uh, did, do you have another no, item on that? Let's put on that next uh, clip. That next little thing, Dr. Paul can kick it off if you want. Yeah. We, this is from National Review. More Americans 65 and under died from alcohol-related causes than COVID-19 in 2020. Wow. That sounds like a medical problem. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, you know, they get nervous and tense because of the in, uh, infection, so they have to take care of it. The medications might not work, or they might not be allowed to take the right kind of medicine. So all of a sudden, they go and use alcohol. Yeah. But this whole thing is our trends. Uh, and you don't hear it as much now. Uh, at the height of the Cold War, uh, when uh, the Soviet system, in particular Russia, was destitute, everybody believed, and I think there was a problem, yeah. that they, they were drinking way too much yeah. alcohol. Of course, they were uh, desperate because if they tried to plant potatoes in their backyard, they might end up in prison, you yeah. know, or yeah. shot or something yeah. like yeah. that. So that, uh, that, that is the uh, whole thing, that people, people now, they ended up uh, dying more from, from the alcohol than the COVID, but it, it does two things. Alcohol's dangerous, you ought to be more careful, but other, and the other thing is, is maybe COVID isn't quite as yeah. dangerous as they claimed. Well, you know, you, when you say, and you've said it many times, that for many people in the U.S., the lockdowns were more deadly than the COVID, and they say, oh, Ron, you're exaggerating, that's ridiculous. Well, I think here's empirical evidence that this is true. Why did people turn to alcohol? And actually, put that first clip up. This is from National Review, by the way. And they're citing a study that appeared in the New England Journal of Medicine. If we can put that next one up. Alcohol-related deaths increased 25% from 2019 to 2020, with alcohol-related deaths among adults younger than 65 outnumbering deaths from COVID-19 in the same group in 2020. And the next one, here's another clip about the stats on this study. 77,408 Americans 16 to 64 died of alcohol causes. 74,075 individuals under 65 died of COVID. A massive, massive increase in alcohol deaths. And I don't think it's uh, too much of a stretch to say that has to be directly related to the stress of lockdowns, yeah. losing your job, losing your business, losing your way of life. And, and look at the tragedy of the young people. Yeah. Young people suicide and all. And they probably weren't sophisticated enough to get the alcohol that the adults have. But here, the one statistic they reported here, in a special age group, 25 to 44, uh, that was as high as 40%. Wow. Uh, that a uh, uh, 40% rise in, in, uh, in deaths. So um, you'd think this, that would wake people up and say, well, what's going on here? But uh, I guess uh, we wake up people one person at a time, <laughs> yeah, and that's better than losing one person at a time. And, you know, there's a lot of attention on the war and all of this stuff, and we've probably been guilty of neglecting COVID a little bit because a lot of stuff is coming out. Uh, plenty of stuff is coming out. But I think this bolsters the idea that these lockdowns were way, way, way worse than the disease for most people who are not of extreme age. Well, the next one is a COVID-related one as well. It's a two for two here. And let's put it up. This is a good one. This is from uh, breaking911.com. Uh, Hillary Clinton tests positive for COVID, says she's, quote, more grateful than ever for the vaccine. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, you know, they, she, she's grateful. And I think, well, what is she talking about? And then I got, hey, you know, in a way, we ought to be grateful because it's pointing out that vaccines don't work. Yeah. And that's what people are already discovering. Yeah. They're, they're, not, they're not working at all. You know, our, our friend Alex Berenson had an article today. He says the COVID vaccine era is ending already. Uh -huh. You know, he goes on. But uh, he, he's been, you know, reporting on this for a long time. But he made a statement that sort of, in a way, is related to uh, Hillary uh -huh. uh, getting COVID. 
uh, had, and he, in his article, he said, he says, I cannot say this enough times. COVID vaccine restrictions are ending not because the mRNA vaccines have succeeded, but because they have failed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, nobody believes in them. Yeah. And there's still more cases, you, you, you know, of the Omicron. And, uh, and, and, and the other one is not a problem. So, uh, but, but they're still bragging about, ah, Hillary has to, she, she has to fit, fit in to the scenario, yeah. you know, and, and, and they're loyal. They're loyal to the very end. Even on their deathbed, they'll, they'll yeah. be loyal. They say, yeah, but I felt better than if I hadn't had the vaccine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Berenson's right. The, the demand from what I've seen for these third shots and whatever is like zero. Nope. It's like you're gonna, you, you say I got to get four of the same thing that I got three of that doesn't work. So thanks, but no thanks. But there's money involved oh, and a few things bucks. like that. And oh, actually, um, when the dust settles, there's already uh, statistics to support what I'm going to say is that those booster shots turn out to probably be more deadly on complications than getting one single early booster that doesn't work. Yeah. You know, when it starts working, it uh, works in a, so often in a negative way. And uh, a lot of people have ended up with, uh, you know, serious heart problems from it. Yeah, well, we, it'll, hopefully it'll come out. But, you know, our friend Gerald Salenti, he's always good for a quip. And this is a good one. This is his response to Hillary getting COVID, but still praising the vaccine, even though she got COVID. Here's Gerald Salenti. Imagine a vaccinated person come down with polio and then praise the vaccine. <laughs> That's a great point. Imagine that. Well, you know, I thought of, along that line, I hadn't read his, but, but in a way, you, you never heard stories like that. Is yeah. the, this is the whole point. And, and I remember, you know, when the vaccine became available and uh, the one statistic that I, uh, the personal statistic was that the, I started medical school in 57 and uh, and, and, and my wife and I got our shots right right before I started medical school. But but it, during the 50s, there were some friends in high school and uh, classmates that died from polio. But when I got to medical school, I never heard of or saw an active case of, of polio. So the vaccine must have worked a little yeah, bit better than, than this what's one. going on here. But you know what they would say to this? Well, we never said it would stop transmission. But that's a lie because there's so many times on tape Joe Biden, Walensky, over and over, all these experts saying, if you, Joe Biden said in July, if you get these shots, you're not going to get COVID. <laughs> so it's, they're trying to rewrite history, but they're all on tape saying it. So yeah. anyway, well, the last thing is we're dabbling, excuse me, a little bit into economics. And this is an area where you're far more <laughs> capable than me. And I actually come to this with some genuine questions, and I hope you're going to enlighten me. Some people say this is a big development. Some people say it's too early to tell. Some people say it's not such a biggie. Let's put that next clip up. This happened this morning. Russia is going to demand that hostile states pay, pay in rubles for gas. So for oil and gas, uh, they want to settle up in rubles, not dollars, not anything else, not euros. So I don't know what this means. Some people say it's a, you know, it moves us toward the de-dollarization. Some people say it's a big deal. I don't know what to think about it. Well, I, I see this as we constantly move in the direction of undermining the principle that the dollar is going to be the uh, reserve currency of the world forever. No, it's already been weakened psychologically. It's been weakened uh, percentage-wise. It's being used less. And this, <clears throat> this is... Uh, 
this is something you, you can't actually predict because uh, it, it, the statistics have been there even for years. The same thing came up be, bef be, before, uh, before we had the crisis uh, with energy right now. And uh, they had the argument because sanctions have been used now for quite a few years and we throw our weight around and the silliness that we're dealing with on China. It, it seems like no matter what we do uh, in some way is undermining, you know, the dollar's uh, strength. And, uh, but it doesn't seem to, you know, end. Uh, the one uh, statistic or uh, experience that I had was, you know, I was reading Austrian economics in the 60s, and I was convinced by their writings that Bretton Woods couldn't last because uh, even though we fixed the price of gold, we guaranteed we'd honor the dollar for the whole world, and that's how we became the uh, reserve currency of the world. And uh, they, it, the, the, uh, their predictions were de Gaulle and the French. They said, you guys are printing too much money. We're trading it in because foreigners were allowed to trade their dollars and yeah. we weren't a citizen. So they started trading in their dollars and they were draining our gold supply. And that is when Nixon uh, decided to close the gold window. Well, you know, he closed the gold window and gold goes from $35 an ounce in that decade. It goes up to $800. Now that's a big deal. And then also it ushered in the 70s uh, because we had the war going on and we said guns and butter and if there was ever a time that you'd think the dollar would just totally collapse it collapsed in many ways the purchasing power went way down the price of gold went way up and uh, the deficits had to be curtailed we ended up you know saving things temporarily uh, by Volcker giving us interest rates of 21 percent uh, but in, in, and it went to, to me the, was, the the surprise was how well we surprised it. I mean, it was horrible, but it, it, it deserved to be horrible. But the adjustments were made, uh, but they never corrected it. We never went back to, we still had the Fed, and they were just a little sneakier, and, and we became more authoritarian. Uh, we'd punish people who wouldn't play the game. And I think conditions are really bad. The conditions are more conducive now for people dumping the dollar, and they're going to try to, but to say, you know, just just uh, this is going on. But you know, the, the yuan and ruples, uh, it just doesn't seem to me that all of a sudden they're going to uh, be able to replace as bad as the dollar is, uh -huh. as bad as it was in the 70s, uh, you know, it, it, it lasted for a while longer. So, uh, and I've always assumed, and I have no, no way of knowing this for sure, I always thought that, uh, you know, an episode like this might knock it down if they're using it 60% of the time, maybe it'll knock it down to 45% of the time, which would be a big deal, uh -huh. but they would use it less. But just the mechanics of this and the alternatives, unless they're magic and all of a sudden they get together, you know, with uh, three biggies, you know, China and Russia and, and India yeah. and say, we're, we're going to honor you know, a, a new currency, and it's going to be limited in supply, and there'll be gold behind it. Well, Maybe something like that would happen, but uh, you know, would change it and crash the dollar. But the dollar is already starting to crash. That to me has always been the warning sign. Once you see, uh, not to look at 
the inter international exchange markets, but to look at the grocery store. It's right in our oh, face. Yeah, this, yeah. The CPI and the cost of a loaf of bread. And if the housewives say, you know, enough is enough, just like they said enough was enough about uh, COVID yeah. and the way they were treating their kids. And they went and, and, you know, put a stop to it in many ways. And that's why, uh, you know, uh, that's fading right now because people finally had enough of it because it was it was all fake based on fake news. Yeah. Well, the Republicans are worse than the Democrats on this war stuff, so the Democrats may have found a way to pull their chestnuts out of the fire. <laughs> right. You know, they'll become the party of peace again. Well, um, I'm going to just have a closing thought, if that's okay. And that's just that last clip, and we're, um, I'm reading this, uh, this piece, and I think it's worth reading because, you know, the, the truth is the first casualty of war. And this is an article from Dan Cohen who writes from Mint Press News, and it is about the massive PR effort to shape Americans' views of what are happening in Ukraine and Russia. The massive number of PR firms, lobbyists that are involved in shaping the perception. We know this game, we know how it's been played before. We remember the speech, the babies thrown from incubator speech that was all cooked up by Hill and Knowlton. They were hired by, by uh, they were hired by those that wanted a war. They sent the uh, child of the ambassador to testify before Congress. The whole thing was cooked up so, as you said before the show, we don't know exactly what's happening or what the truth is, but for goodness sake, we should be skeptical about the narratives that are being uh, put together by these PR firms that have an agenda. We should be skeptical about everything. And that's what we try to do here and try to deliver you uh, as best as we can, an objective look. And we appreciate the fact that you continue to turn in uh, and tune in to the Ron Paul Liberty Port, and we hope you'll You'll stick with us, Dr. Paul. Very, very good, Daniel. Uh, you know, pol politicians, when, when they fib and lie and deceive, uh, it's called demagoguing. And that's usually applied to politicians more than people who fib and lie and do things uh, outside of government. But the demagogue is the one that wants political power by lying to the people. And uh, there's a lot of them around. I've met a few. And uh, they become untrustworthy. And they also mess things up. But this, sometimes the sad part is all this capitulation, the people that go along because they're uncomfortable and they sort of know it's not right, but uh, I have to go along. I, I, I can't face up to them. One person told me when I was uh, sitting and we were voting for the Patriot Act, I said, you know there's a bunch of stuff in here you don't even believe in. He says, it's true. He says, but how can I go back home and explain it to my people? And I said, well, that's, that's your job. <laughs> go back home and explain. He didn't believe in it, but the pressure was so strong to do something to pass the Patriot Act, uh, you know, because of 9-11. Of but to me, one of the sad capitulations was that of a very, very famous and popular general uh, who was well-respected. He had a military career, and uh, he, he was one that I, I feel like he fell into the trap exactly how and what the motivations were, I don't think anybody knows exactly. And that, to me, was the UN presentation by Colin Powell to go along and say, uh, you know, there, there was an, an this is the anthrax, and holding up the anthrax that uh, Saddam Hussein was involved with. This was the justification to commit to a war that was undeclared, and uh, they could never get a Congress to declare, because I asked him, to, if you think this should be fought, declare war. No, they weren't interested in that, but they were interested in a, a couple things. 
give the power and authority to the president to do what he wants so we're not responsible for what happens or go to uh, you know an international body because we're really interested in globalism and that's why we have NATO and that's why we have the IMF and the World Bank and the WTO and uh, and why we why we have uh, uh, all these organizations and NATO uh, the United Nations under these circumstances you know tell people that, that they go where do you go to get the, get the uh, verification you go to the UN you get your most popular general to do this and say this is it and all I can say about it my analysis I was just sad it was it was so so unnecessary uh, but but that, that that means that uh, there, there's a little bit of risk, especially when people come around to knowing that they're delivering information that's not true. They're demagoguing and know it has to do with their political career. And uh, that, that, that should uh, wake some people up. But, you know, the temptation is so great. It starts the day after a person is sw sworn in or the day a new member is sworn in because the leadership comes and they tell you, they, you know, this is what you have to do. You went on this committee okay you have to do this 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 and uh and they figure and they say well yeah we know you're conservative you don't want to do this but how are you going to get the people to work for you how are you going to raise money and how are you going to get be be able to uh, uh you, you know appeal and get the function get the money that you need for your district all those kind of things and the pressure becomes very strong and uh and and it actually becomes like you're you're some type of an imbecile if you don't go along to get along, and that's a sad part of it, but as long as you have, and we have, an interventionist uh, government, where government intervenes in everything that we do, and we intervene in everything uh, we get involved in around the world with uh, threats of war and war and uh, sanctions and locking down assets, all the things that we do, uh, eventually it ends up badly. And that's why I think uh, people ought to recognize what's going on so they don't have to be humiliated by being caught in a big lie. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.